Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. When I was growing up in South Dakota, I spent a lot of time playing out in the snow. Sometimes it was sledding or building forts, and other times it was playing football. My brother, when he came home from school on the holidays, would take me out into the snow and uh, he would play tackle football with me. Now, most of the time, uh, he would play down to my level. He would kick the ball off by flipping it up in the air and then he and one of his friends would get down on their knees and try to tackle me before I got to the end zone. Now, that's how it usually worked. But I do remember one time when things were a little different. I don't exactly remember what I said, but I must have gotten a little too cocky. And I received a, a full-on high school tackle, which hyperextended one of my knees. Didn't feel too good. And I was reminded very quickly that I was in sixth grade and not really up for a top tackle of that level. Now, this whole game that we would play depended on my brother and his friends playing down to my level. They had to, otherwise it wouldn't be fair. Now it might seem odd to say it, but our Lord Jesus did something very similar to that when he became human. You see, he had all the power in the world and all the wisdom but Jesus set his powers on the shelf for most of his earthly life. He had to, otherwise it wouldn't have been fair. He had to live a true human life, to experience all of the same things that we go through, the same temptations and the same problems and the same heartaches. He had to do these things, and if he could do them without sinning, and he would be able to offer his life, his divine life, his sinless life for sinners like us to pay our debt in full. But he couldn't cheat. He couldn't use his God powers to cut corners or to give him strength when he needed it. And this is what he did. And then he offered that life on the cross so that you and I are free, free from blame, citizens of heaven. But of course, we remember that there were times when Jesus did take his powers off the shelf, when he used them, not for himself, but for other people. If it was a miracle that would be able to help someone and would also show that he was not just a prophet, but the very Messiah, well, then Jesus often used his power for that. And today in our reading, we're going to see him doing the same, using his godly authority for the benefit of the people, using his wisdom and his raw power. We read from Mark chapter 1. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath they entered the synagogue, or he entered the synagogue, and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. These are the words. May the Holy Spirit bless our study of them. Amen. The city of Capernaum would become the base of operations for Jesus' ministry, but this was apparently the first time that Jesus had taught there in the synagogue, and it was a smash hit. Our reading says that they were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were people who could read and write and who studied the Bible extensively. They studied the Old Testament laws so much that they were often called on to serve as law experts in courts of law. You would expect that it would be this group of people who would tell everyone, Jesus, he just might be the Christ. He matches up with all of the prophecies. But they didn't figure this out. You see, even though they worked with the Bible extensively, they, many of them, were not real believers of God. And there was a number of reasons for this. First of all, they were sinners, like you and me. The Bible tells us that we sinners can't understand spiritual things, not unless the Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us. And the scribes had more than just their sinful nature working against them. For a long time, they had been piling up their own ideas and their own traditions and interpretations and rules around the Bible. They called these the traditions of the elders. Let me show you what I'm talking about with the story from Jesus' life in Matthew 15. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? For God said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that anyone who declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the command of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. It was hard for the scribes to see the true meaning of the scriptures through the fog of their own long-standing traditions. And their love of attention also got in the way. Jesus said in Mark 12, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. The scribes were sinners, strike one. They considered their traditions to be just as important as the word of God, strike two. And they were in love with popularity and prestige, strike three. To round out the picture of the average scribe, let's hear from Jesus one more time from Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. That was the scribe. Now you can imagine how different it would have been to hear Jesus speak in the synagogue. He didn't have a sinful nature to make him misunderstand the Bible. He had a perfect understanding. And he wasn't seeking attention by speaking. He didn't want to feel important by having everyone look at him. He wanted to teach the people what their Heavenly Father wanted them to know. And Jesus spoke the gospel to the people. The message that sins, they were not going to get taken away by us living a better life. No, forgiveness was a gift from God. In John 3.16, we read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know the passage by heart. But do we remember that these are the words that Jesus spoke about himself? Yes, he, he preached the law to people to convict them of their sin, to show them their need for a Savior, but then he was also always pointing them to that Savior. The scribes misinterpreted and twisted God's word either because of their misunderstanding or their self-interest. When Jesus spoke, he spoke the truth for the good of the people, for the very salvation of their souls. Now, some people are born talkers. They get good at it, too. 
and they can convince people of the most ridiculous things by their smooth words and their charming charisma. In other words, they can talk well enough to give the impression of authority. But that wasn't Jesus. He wasn't just a good talker. He showed his authority through the things that he said and the things that he did. We see that clearly in the second half of our sermon reading. I'm going to read again from verse 23. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. These details about this story remind us that this wasn't just a popularity contest between Jesus and the scribes. There was a real war going on here. And the players in this war are more powerful than small-town Bible class leaders. Demons are fallen angels, created good in the beginning, but who rebelled against God. They must have thought somehow that they could overcome him. But they were wrong. And now they wait their final judgment when they will be separated from God and all his goodness forever. Hell was prepared for them. Of course, the leader of these angels is Satan, who tempted Adam and Eve in the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, he took the form of a serpent in order to tempt Eve. Here in Capernaum, another demon took a man. Now, of course, we don't see this kind of demon possession in the United States very often. It seems like the devil knows that that would validate God's word and that people's faith would be strengthened. And so instead, he seems to lie low and not do these outward, obvious demon possessions very often. Instead, he would present stories like this as fairy tales. And modern man, who always thinks that people came before are dumb, and we are so much smarter than they were. Well, modern man accepts this. But at the time of Jesus, the demons were certainly not lying low. There were many demon possessions. They were trying to get in the way of Jesus' ministry. And some think that they might have even been trying to mimic what he was doing. The Son of God had become human. But all that the demons could do was this ugly thing called possession, to take control of a human mind and body for a time. And this is what we find in the synagogue. 
while Jesus was preaching. Someone in the crowd was being used as a vehicle for a demon. He sat there listening to Jesus for a while, and then he lashed out with angry words. This demon knew who Jesus was, the Holy One of God. And he also expressed opposition to Jesus and fear of Jesus. He knew what was coming his way someday. Of course, Jesus doesn't put up with this outburst for very long. He shuts him up, and then he casts him out. With a shriek and a convulsion, the demon is forced out by Jesus. And the people were impressed by this. Not only did Jesus speak with authority, he also had power to cast out demons. That was some amazing authority. Nobody else had interactions with demons like this. God was obviously at work here. No doubt many believed that Jesus was a prophet at this point. And many would come to understand that he was much more than a prophet, that he was the very Messiah sent from God. This story reminds us that our greatest enemies are not things like poverty or disease. Our greatest enemies are demons those who would lead us away from the true God, who wish not just to take our things or to injure us, but to, to take us away from God so that when we die, we will not get to be with him anymore. Apart from Christ, we would belong to the demons. We would be on Satan's side of things because our sin separates us from God. Only through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross are we brought back into God's family. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus suffered the punishment for each and every one of our sins, he has the authority to comfort us and to say, your sins are forgiven. You are no longer numbered with the enemies of God. Now you are numbered with the children in his family. Now, earlier I said that when God the Son became human, put his God powers on the shelf. He did this so that he could live a life like ours, where he could experience real temptations and trials. But after he lived that life and gave it on the cross for us, then he took up those powers again, and he started to use them openly and freely. And that's why he could say the words that he does in Matthew 28. He says to his followers, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
You see, during his ministry, he used his authority to teach the people the gospel. And he used his authority to cast out demons and to help people who were suffering. And he still uses his divine authority, his wisdom, and his power for his people today. And he promises us, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we can be comforted that he is here among us, and when we leave, he will go to be with us, and his power will go with him for our care. We pray. Lord Jesus, keep us trusting in your authority, in your word, and your power. Guard our faith while we're here on this earth until we walk beside you in heaven. And have mercy on us as we travel through this sin-broken world. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.